It's good to be with you guys. Um, thank you so much for having me speak this morning. And I just want to give a shout out, because I, I get to do that, don't I, really, which is great. I want to shout out to Maisie. Um, it's quality to see some of our youth online. I love seeing that you guys are on the chat. You're watching this live with us. And I just want to speak to our youth for a moment and say, you guys are part of this body. You need to hear that. You need to know that you are no lesser because you're young. But instead, as young people, you are very much an integral part of this body and you have a role to play. So I hope you hear that this morning and I'm so glad that you're joining with us. Um, I'm going to ask you to go with me this morning because I'm going to get to geek out a little bit. I'm so excited that I get to do this. So we're continuing in our series um, on reforming the church. And this morning I get the privilege of speaking all about the body. The body fascinates me and I get to geek out on, I said, these kind of two levels because on the one hand, the human physical body is of great interest to me. My background and training is in occupational therapy and as part of my training, I got to go down into the bowels of Southampton Hospital and I got to pick up, with respect I add, human, real life human body parts and I got to peel back muscles and see what is it this muscle is doing. When I pull on this ligament and on this tendon, what is it that that is doing within the human body? And as part of my work, I help people who've had injuries, brain injuries, try and help their bodies and their brains get back to full health. But then in the other sense, I just, I love, I'm so passionate about the church being a body, this truth that we're a body, and part of my work is helping people understand the role they get to play within the body and taking blocks out of their way that mean that they can even more fully step into the purposes that God has for them. So if I geek out a little bit this morning, just go with me, all right? So we're going to be reading uh, from 1 Corinthians. The words are going to appear on screen, but I'd love to encourage you, if you've got a paper Bible or a device, pick it up, because we're going to reference a few other things, and you might just want to flick there as well. And it's always good to have the Word of God in your hand. So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 27. Just as as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would its sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts we think are less honourable we treat with special honour, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. 
but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So I want to start this morning by asking a question. I want to ask, why is it the church is a body? And how is that different to it being a gathering or a collective or some sort of communal group, some sense of community that you might have from, say, your running group or the yoga club that you attend? And I've come to this conclusion from the passage we've just read. It's this, that if we are the body, then Jesus Christ is the head. He's the brains of this whole operation. For any of you thinking that the elders of this church just sit around drinking tea and coffee, not that they actually do very much of that, but they just sit around, lazing around, kind of coming up with whims and fancies of setting the vision of this church and how it should go. Well, you're kind of half right. The elders do help us set the vision of our church. But actually that vision comes from Christ himself. He is the one setting the agenda. And we're told in verse 12 that though there's many parts, so it is with Christ. And that's the context we're looking at. And if we step back and we take a wider look at the Bible, we see this repeated a few times. And one of the most famous verses you might know is from Colossians. In Colossians 1 verse 18, where it says this, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he may have the supremacy he is to have supremacy over the church and i love this picture you ready for my first bit of geeking out about the human body this fits with a bit of neurology that i work with regularly we have descending neural pathways and ascending neural pathways from our brain and this fits with this picture here so for instance if i reach for my body uh, my bottle just there then what i've done is my brain has sent a downward signal. It's made my arm reach out, the muscles move, the hands gets ready to take the bottle. That's what Christ is doing all the time. He's our head. He's sending these downward signals. He's giving us vision. He's giving us mission. He's giving us motivation all the time to keep moving. He's the head. But then what are we to do with his supremacy? Well, how does my brain know I have this bottle? There's receptors in my muscles that know that there's a weight in my hand. My palm can feel that there's a change in temperature. And all that information is being fed back up. It's almost praising my brain. And that's exactly how we are to be with Christ. We are to go on continually feeding back to him, praising him, battling with him, grappling with the vision that he set us to do as the body. I love this two-way transit transaction because it tells us that the body's living it's moving it's breathing all the time and that's why we're not just a collective we're not just a running group we are the body of christ he is the head and we are living and breathing beings living out his vision and his mission so if christ is the head of the church let's delve in to what being this body means and the first thing i want to draw out of this passage is the fact that you belong to the body. You belong to this body. As normal child development goes, the baby grows in the womb and it starts to grow different body parts. But how is it 
that those body parts, why is it those hands know that they belong to the body? Or as the Bible puts it, um, why doesn't the foot say to the hand, well, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body? And it has to do with DNA. It has to do with the imprint of our body. If somebody has a heart transplant and takes another human heart and it's put into their body, that patient has to take immunosuppressant tablets because the body naturally tries to reject that bit of tissue, that muscle. It knows it's not its own. It doesn't belong. And in the spiritual sense, what is it, therefore, that gives us that DNA? What is it that helps us belong? In verse 13, you can blink and you can miss it. And actually, it's not that common, I don't think, that we think of this part of what the Holy Spirit does, but it's this. We were baptized in the Holy Spirit so that we may form one body. This is what gives us the DNA that we need in order to belong. We get this DNA because what is it the Holy Spirit does? Well, the Holy Spirit highlights to us that Jesus Christ came to this earth that he died for our sin, the sin that should have been ours. He took that on and he killed that sin. And then he rose again three days later and ascended into, the hev- into heaven so that anyone who believes in him may one day ascend just like him and have eternal life. That is the DNA that is put inside of us and that is what helps us belong to this body. It's funny though, isn't it? We can often think of the Holy Spirit as helping us do all these outward things all the time. Often our minds go straight to passages like the Holy Spirit's there to help us bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the sick, to perform signs, wonders and miracles. And all of those things are absolutely true. That is what the Holy Spirit's there to do. But have you ever considered this? The Holy Spirit first knits you into a body because it's from that context that we go out and do all those things. It is from the context of belonging to the body of Christ that we are able to go out every day across the bay and see Jesus' work transform the lives of people around us. So we belong to the body, but we also have a function, and you function within the body. We are called again, to function as this body. When we look at typical child development, again, within the, within the womb, the moment the heart's made, that heart muscle starts beating. It starts functioning. It does exactly what it needs to do. If you've had a young child, you'll know that the body starts functioning because they eat, sleep, poop, and repeat. And that's the cycle they do. Even from that young age, the body's doing exactly what it should be doing. It's adjusting to gravity. But the foot doesn't just think, okay, well, I'm here for now, but I'm just going to let the hands drag me along, and that's, that's how this is going to go for the rest of time. That's not how it works. The foot is there to take up weight. Or as the Bible puts it, if, if the whole body were an eye, where would its sense of hearing be? Or if the whole body were an ear, where would its sense of smell be? And this is where I get really excited Because what this is telling me is this. God has made you to be you. That's exactly what God is doing. Do you know the level of worth and value that God puts into you 
as he makes you unique to be you. In verse 18, it says this, but in fact God. And when you hear a statement like that in the Bible, your ears need to prick up and you need to take notice. Because why has God made you unique? Well, in fact, God has placed the parts of the body together so that you can contribute to the body by being yourself and using the very gifts that God has given you. And if you don't quite believe me, then will you jump back with me in your Bible within the same chapter to a few verses before? Because in verse 7 we're told this, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given why? It's given for the common good. So to put it another way, we each have a unique contribution to bring, which adds to the functioning of this body. I love this, because what this means is so immensely releasing, is that he hasn't made you to be me, and he certainly hasn't made me to be you. Because why? Well, to some he's given wisdom. To some, he's given faith. To some, he's given healing. To some, he's given miraculous powers. To other, prophecy. To others, tongues. To others, the ability to interpret tongues. And that list is by no means exhaustive. Look across the New Testament and you will see that God, the brains of this operation, through the Holy Spirit, is dropping gifts left, right and centre of how he can build his church. And you are part of that. You are a unique part of the body and how God wants to build his church so my question this morning how has God gifted you and what I'm not talking about is arrogance I'll cover that in a moment but what I'm saying there is is this God has made you he has put time thought and energy into you you're his project and therefore you you kind of almost owe it to God to use those gifts that he has given you and to feed back up the praise by operating as the body should. There's other parables in the Bible that encourage us to do that, to not waste what God has given us. So how do we know the ways in which God may have gifted us? The first way you can figure that out is really simple and probably often overlooked, but is this, pray. Ask God, how has he gifted you? God has spent time, energy and love pouring gifts into you, pouring personality into you, character into you, the interactions you have. So pray and ask him, because he wants a functioning body. He's the brains of the whole thing. Pray that he would reveal it to you. Secondly, ask those around you, especially if somebody has a gift of wisdom. Ask them what they see in you. Ask them how they see you interacting with others and what gifts they think God may well have planted in you for you to use. They may be wrong, but they may be right. And you can pray on those things. And the third thing I would encourage you to do is acknowledge that God has gifted you with that gift. I would hope within our culture of honour that we have at Citygate that if, if that gift isn't necessarily fitting with you well, that somebody would come alongside you and help guide you in an area that you may be gifted in. But actually, there is a definite call here to own the gifts that we're given, to acknowledge that we have them, and not in an arrogant way. And I just want to pause for a moment and call out a few people this morning, because I believe 
that in our UK culture, we've confused arrogance with confidence at times. And actually, there are people in our congregation who have the gift of leadership, who shy away from leadership because they won't own it. They're afraid to say, I think I have the gift of leadership, because in a UK context, they think that sounds arrogant. Dare I say, if you're in America, not too far extreme, but actually that culture has more of a confidence about it. But our UK culture is far more timid and backwards. So I, this morning, want to call out those of you who think you might have the gift of leadership. Can I encourage you to pray about it and to own it and to absolutely acknowledge it? Start to chat with the leaders around you. Start to chat with your, with your life group leaders, with your ministry leaders. Say, I think I've got the gift of leadership and I want to develop it. And see what happens when you start owning your gift and contributing it into the body. Because God's given it to you. Own it. Don't shy away from it, please. So we've looked at the fact Christ is the head And we are the body. We belong to the body and we function as the body. But there's something else subtle that's littered throughout this passage we find in Corinthians. It's something that was there in 50 AD, which amazes me. And it's something that is still rife in the church now. And it's this. It's comparison. And I want to talk this morning about the fact comparison kills As I said, it was rife then and it was rife now. And as a side note, I just want to take a moment to say that I don't think social media has by any means invented this. (laughs) Comparison has been around for centuries. But I'll tell you what social media has done. It has made it far more intense. It's made it far more personal. It's made it far more accessible. And it is there all the time shouting at us, from a small device in our hand. So please, to the younger generations watching this, don't think you're unique, but know that you are probably experiencing this in a far more intense way than others may well appreciate. And I want to share something of my story. I want to share something this morning of my story during first lockdown. Gosh, that's a statement to make already, isn't it? First lockdown. Um... Because as Russ said, George and I um, have run youth here for a while. And we came on staff probably about eight months, I seem to think, before the first lockdown hit. And we were doing really well. We were getting, we were getting things to kind of where we were wanting to take them. We were starting to build a really flourishing team. We were starting to see youth engaging with things. And just people taking next steps. And it was encouraging the direction we were heading. And then, of course, <laughs> lockdown hits. Love it. So what happens when lockdown hit? Well, for me, obviously, picked up my phone lots as you did, but everything went online, and the world of youth went online as well. That's no exception. So there was, there was youth groups all over different platforms, and we had to use them because we were trying to reach our youth at the same time. So what was I doing? Well, I was watching other youth groups, And there's one I was watching, I don't really know why, but just with particular interest, probably because they're local to us, and don't worry, you'll see later in the story. But they're local to us, I knew them, I knew what was going on with their youth beforehand. 
that suddenly everything was on show. So I got to kind of see details that I didn't see before. And what did I start to do? Well, you can tell where I'm going. I absolutely started to compare. I got immensely jealous, and I compared, if I'm really honest, everything. I was comparing my personality with their youth leader's personality, their out-there-ness with my not-so-out-there-ness. I compared a bit of our teams. I was comparing our presence on social media. I was comparing events that they were running against things that we were doing. Gosh. So then what happened... I genuinely had some days, which I'm sure you can associate with from lockdown, where I genuinely was like, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. I'm absolutely useless. Why on earth am I leading a youth group when look at this one up the road, which is flourishing online, while it feels like, quite frankly, it felt like ours had just been decimated and we were struggling to just push on through So I decided I was going to quit youth, let George carry on, because she was doing well, and I'd just jump ship. That was me done. So pause here. Why on earth am I sharing this with you this morning? Well, I'd obviously let comparison come into the situation. And comparison does one of two things, and they're both ugly. One is it leads to arrogance and boastfulness. You compare down and you puff yourself up and you become arrogant and you become boastful. Or the other is that you compare up, if you will, and then you end up feeling down. You get jealous and you get envious, and that's certainly where I found myself. And in either place, it will kill your contribution, it will kill your sense of belonging into the family, and it will rob you of the joy of serving God. It absolutely will. It will rob you the joy of contributing to this family and serving the community around you. And that's what I'd done. I'd compared, I'd gotten jealous, I'd gotten downhearted, I decided I was useless, I was rubbish, and therefore I'd jack it all in. I was done. So then what happened? Well, the Holy Spirit genuinely encountered with me and showed me this destructive loop with what was going on. I was praying about it, and I was like, gosh, what on earth do I do about this? I need to continue on on social media. I can't just leave it because it's a platform we're using. I've got to push on through. So the first thing I arrived at doing is I acknowledged it. That may sound really simple, but actually I think there's something incredibly powerful in verbalizing these things. So I acknowledged that it was going on. And the next thing I knew I needed to do was bring it out into the light. I brought this out into the light, not just before God, which is always the first place, and in some cases is all we should do, is bring that stuff out before God and repent of our sin, of comparison, because God has made us the way he's made us. But in this instance, we actually knew the youth leaders fairly well. So I fessed up to them. I actually sent them a message and I told them what had been going on and how I'd been watching their youth group and how how I'd actually experienced quite a high level of jealousy. And do you know what that led to? That led to an amazing opportunity. We were able to pray for that youth group. We were able to encourage them. And that small process of acknowledging it, repenting of it, and bringing it out into the light... That small process led to so much joy and it turned around 
my, um, my journey because I came to appreciate the gifting God has put in me. I came to appreciate that God has made me unique and God has made me and gifted me to be here in CityGate now, serving CityGate youth now, doing the things God has called me to do at the moment. And he's put me here to do that and he's put them there to do what they're up to. And I found it immensely releasing. It was incredibly releasing to stop comparing myself all the time. It was so good. Not only that, it gave us a chance, as I said, to pray for this other youth group, to encourage them. But then it gave us a chance to gather our team and encourage them. See the gifts that God has put in his body here at CityGate. And it just turned everything around and so helped us in terms of the way we ran this. It was a journey, but comparison nearly killed off my contribution to the body. And that, again, without sounding arrogant, that would have caused that part of the body to suffer. If I wasn't playing my role, that part of the body would have suffered. So as we, as we are back in another lockdown, can I please encourage you to put your guard up against comparison? Because I can almost bet you're reaching for your phone a lot more, and a lot more is probably going online. For some of you, your contribution at the moment will be that you have enough emotional resolve in the middle of lockdown to get up, to get dressed, to make it through the day, to think about God a little bit, maybe utter one word of prayer, and then hit the sack. That might be the place you're in, but that is contribution nonetheless. Meanwhile, there'll be other Duracell bunnies out there. You'll be legging it around. You'll be getting shopping for the 10 vulnerable people you know, blessing the checkout person on the way, and you'll be serving in that way. And again, that is incredibly worthwhile And that is the way God has gifted you. And that's the season that we are in, where people are all over the place and feeling different things. But please, if you're a foot, don't try and be a hand. And if you're a hand, don't try and be a foot. Don't let comparison in, because it will kill off your contribution. So as I ask the band to come back up, and as I start to draw us to a close... I want to draw us back to this, the fact that we are Christ's body. It's worth so much effort to contribute and to belong to him so that we can give him the supremacy. That's what this is all about. I want to pray as I close because he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us form one body. There's no more powerful force I know than the Holy Spirit to help us belong to help us know how we are gifted and to help us continue to work out his mission as a body. So let me pray as we close. Lord God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be moving right now as we stream out today, Lord God. I pray, Holy Spirit, come and move. And Lord God, I want to pray for things that are highlighted in people's lives that are blocking them from being part of this body. Lord God, would you send your spirit now to help people see, is it comparison? Is it something else? Is it where my priorities are wrong? Is it where I've misunderstood that this isn't serving others, this is serving Christ as the head in all of his supremacy? Lord God, help us to deal with these things. 
Help us to deal with these things so that we can unite under your headship. So that we can raise one voice to build your church and go out every day across this bay and serve our communities as the body of Christ. Holy Spirit, help us. And would we acknowledge that you are worthy of all things as we lift up our voices and sing to you. Amen.